Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Dan Cottrell. In this episode, I am delighted to welcome along all the way from the sunny north of England, Andy Hamilton, editor of Peak Performance. So welcome along, Andy. Uh, hello, Dan. Uh, very nice of you to have me on. And uh, I hope I can give you some, uh, and you'll read it, some useful info today. <laughs> I hope so. Well, I know after speaking to you uh, over the last few years since I've known you, uh, I've always been fascinated by this part of the area of sport, which I don't really know uh, enough about. And you've given me some very wise counsel. So I'm looking forward to some wise counsel from you. So no pressure to do that. Okay. Anyway, a little bit of background about Andy. He's been editing Peak Performance magazine for the past 14 years. He is an ex-marathon runner, triathlete, and fitness coach. Are you an ex-triathlete, or you're still a triathlete? Well, I still run and, and cycle and swim, Dan, but uh, I don't compete these days. Uh, right. For a variety of reasons, but uh, it's mainly down to time, uh, and my work keeps me very busy. Yes, yes, uh, doesn't it, for all, all of us, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and anyway, for the last 25 years, Andy's been uh, had a special interest in exercise physiology, sports nutrition and sports health, which are the main topics he now researches and writes about, mainly in peak performance. In this podcast, I'm aiming to explore how rugby players can recover from exercise. So I suppose the first question is, what do we mean by recovery? Well, recovery covers a lot of aspects. Um, I would Put it this way that recovery uh, is a measure of how ready you are to to go again or to give your your best performance um, recovery involves not just physical recovery um, it involves uh, recovery of uh, your nutritional needs like fluid and food um, and something that's often overlooked is your mental recovery um, and it's something that tends to happen particularly with elite athletes who monitor carefully what's going on with their nutrition and they take measures of physical recovery, but they perhaps don't pay enough attention to their mental recovery. And as we'll see later on in the chat, I think, Dan, that has implications for how you feel. So, so really, recovery uh, is a measure of how ready you are to train or to compete again. And therefore, recovery is inevitably important and sort of developing that idea why is it so important that we would need to focus on it well recovery is essentially it's a, it's a part of training it's a part of your training adaptation you should think of recovery as part of the training process and the way that you um, build your fitness and all other things being equal and um, the faster you can recover and the more comprehensively you can recover, the sooner you, you will be ready to train again um, and the more often uh, you'll be able to train. And of course, with that will come uh, higher levels of fitness um, 
and obviously if you're practicing rugby skills you know I, I guess higher levels of skills as well so recovery is critically important and um, a poorly recovered athlete um, and that includes rugby players who train will not be getting benefits from that training and um, they will be actually breaking their body down um, and they will not be recovering and it's during the recovery process that you rebuild uh, the body uh, is re-engineered at the cellular level and that is what uh, creates the gains in fitness whether it's gains in strength or endurance or, or speed so recovery is an essential part of the training adaptation process uh, without recovery without adequate recovery you will train hard uh, and you won't make gains um, and if your recovery is very poor you'll train hard and you'll burn out and you'll become injured or ill or uh, just completely burnt out so that's why it's very important it's slightly scary really because i mean i've asked i'm asking the question about recovery because i feel that we don't we don't spend nearly enough time and to the extent we probably don't spend some coaches don't spend any time thinking about recovery i know that at sevens yeah. tournaments or any tournament actually uh, the better sides work very hard at the recovery and other sides will spend less time. That's that's more obvious because you're recovering for the next game. But after a training session, I just don't... I, I sense there are some things which do go on and there's some words which happen, but they're paying lip service to it. So perhaps we'll talk about that a bit uh, yeah. later on. So the, uh, recovery inevitably, and of course we're talking about lots of different athletes here. So there's going to be some generalisation Inevitably, does recovery depend on the type of exercise you've been doing? It does, um, because the type of exercise that you do will impact on the, the most important aspects of recovery. I mean, what's common to all exercise and all sports is the need for rest. And, and I'm guessing that goes without saying that you know when you've had a hard training session or a hard match that, um, you know, you will need to take some rest. And the body tells you that because you feel tired, um, a particularly hard match, um, or you've done an unusual amount of heavy exercise, uh, you may feel muscle soreness, delayed onset muscle soreness, which fades over a few days. Uh, in a sense, that limits you over what you can do over those next few days. Um, the problem uh, comes when you... So, sorry, can yeah. I just go, but can I go... Can I... <clears throat> Sorry, can I yeah. just go back to that? So uh, muscle soreness, we can all get a sense of um, a sort of a burning sensation in our uh, what we've been yeah. doing. Now, some players will then say, right, I've just got to work my way through this. Is that is that dangerous well, the, the, or is that uh, acceptable? There are two types of muscle soreness uh, that, you know, athletes commonly report. The first is the soreness, you get, the temporary soreness you get when you're working extremely hard so say you're you're running uphill and you get this burning sensation in the legs or you're you're, you're squatting uh you're in the gym you're doing squats and you're doing as many reps as you can and you get towards the end of that and that and it really burns uh, and that's just uh as a result of uh the build up of um as byproducts of intense exercise in the muscles it's mainly hydrogenized but you don't need to worry about that so that's that's what everyone gets temporarily um However, there's another uh, more insidious type of soreness, which is called delayed onset muscle soreness, 
and that is caused by micro damage. It's, it's damage to the fibers uh, at a very, uh, very kind of microscopic level, and that causes soreness, which um, generally the maximum onset of soreness is around about 24 to 36 hours after the exercise, and it lasts for um, two, three, four days um, afterwards. Um, and that is uh, soreness uh, which results from muscle damage. And um, we, we know that, uh, or let's, let's put it this way, you're more likely to encounter that kind of soreness if you work at a very high intensity and you're not used to working at, at that intensity. So for example, um, a player who, uh, a rugby player who, who is, you know, perhaps, um, you know, on the wing and used to kind of doing a lot of running, um, but but doesn't do a lot of heavy lifting. Suddenly decides, to, well, I'll start training in the gym and starts doing very heavy uh, weights um, to work the legs. Then you may find that the uh, those intense contractions cause this delayed onset muscle soreness. Another good example is someone who is not used to running downhill. When you land on the foot and running downhill, the sudden deceleration goes through the muscles and that causes a lot of micro damage and that gives you delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, so, um, you know, this kind of ties into the question of the type of exercise you've been doing. If you um, have a lot of delayed onset muscle soreness, um, there are certain things that will help to get you over that more rapidly and there's certain things you can do to prevent that happening in the first place. Um, so that's just to clarify what, what I was talking about in terms of muscle soreness. Um, does that make sense, Dan? Yeah, no, that yeah. that does make sense because I think uh, that we we all sense it yeah. uh, in ourselves, and then we're trying, I suppose, as an athlete and as a coach talking to an athlete to help them understand yeah. their bodies and understand what they need to do. So I suppose um, I might be jumping ahead with the question here: Is it? It sounds like um, if someone has done a weight session in the morning, uh, perhaps before before work or before they've been going out to do some other exercise, then they're not going to have enough rest um, if they go out and do something else in the next 24 hours? Or is that, uh, are we talking there about novice versus elite? Yes, I mean, athletes? as a rule of thumb, intense training sessions should be spaced as far apart um, as other sessions for to, to allow recovery. The, as a rule of thumb, the more intense the training sessions, the higher intensity, the more recovery time is needed because the more damage um, is produced in the muscle fibers. Now this damage is nothing to worry about. Um, the damage um, is, um, it, it's the body's way of, um, it, it sends a signal to the body, look, you know to the muscles come on guys we need to we need to build up we need to be stronger we need to be more capable so when you um perform very intense exercise and you you suffer this micro damage it's not a bad thing but what it does mean is that um it's a sign that your body does need extra time to recover before the next bout of um hard exercise however um if you did say a very intense session of weights in the gym in the afternoon and then you wanted the next morning to do some gentle cycling to um 
to just to mobilize the legs or do some swimming and that can actually be a um, not just uh, not difficult for the body it can actually aid recovery because the mobility and the movement of the muscles helps to kind of flush blood through those muscles and helps to um, send away if you like the, the kind of the biochemical uh, build up the damage the particles of damage and um, flush the, the muscles with nutrients and blood so it's it can be gentle exercise following intense exercise can be part of what is called active recovery so you're recovering rather than just sitting there on the sofa with your feet up you're actually doing something to promote recovery which is quite gentle gentle exercise can i ask you i, I this again may not be a question mm. you can answer directly but i want to try and get a few rule, yeah. rules of thumb here um and i'm looking say at maybe a 12 to 14 year old athlete um, um, balancing them say, against an adult athlete. And if, if they're doing some intense exercise, the, the younger athlete, how long bef- between bouts of intense heavy exercise should they leave before they do it again? Yeah, you're, are you asking about younger athletes, Dan? Yeah. Well, I'm sort of I'm trying to get some rules of thumb yeah. because people who are listening in will be thinking, OK, uh, yeah. I understand I need to yeah. uh, space yeah. these out to help the athletes in this right. way. Roughly, what sort of uh, things am I looking at? Again, where these all these things come literally yeah. with a health warning that we're just making suggestions here, but it just helps the, the coach uh, start okay. to see a clearer so picture. So is, is it possible yeah, so to let, give let, a, let, let's, let's say that yeah, we um, define very intense exercise as um, either an intense training session for example like interval training to build up um, you know aerobic fitness or uh, a session in the gym where we're working on lower body strength say a, you know a scrum player um, is doing lunges and squats uh, to build up power and strength um, or uh, another form of intense exercise would, would be a match a very hard match where you're you're you you know you're really going flat out um so if you're playing a match at the weekend um i would um say that someone who's in very good condition and experienced um might be looking to possibly only do one or two other intense exercise sessions a week spaced um, well away from the match so for example if you play a match on a saturday you might want to do something on a Tuesday and something on a Thursday. Um, but someone who is maybe less experienced, maybe uh, playing at a lower level or a younger player, um, I would I would say something along the lines of um, that you would perhaps have one uh, intense exercise training session in the week in addition to a match, and that gives you kind of a three day, a three at least a three day gap either side. To enable recovery, and um, it's highly individual. And um, you know, as you get older, once you get kind of beyond thirty-five, recovery uh, takes longer. So, um, you know, as something I noticed as as the years tick by, I could train quite intensely and you know pretty much as intensely as I used to train. Um, but it's a recovery. You know, instead of being ready to go again after two days, uh, it might take me four days to be ready to go again at that level so senior coach um is thinking we've played a hard match on the saturday 
Um, I want my team to maintain their fitness uh, over the season. And I've got another game on the next Saturday. So let us say I've got a Tuesday and a Thursday training session, which is quite a regular pattern for most coaches. Generally, the next intense session is often on the Tuesday. And on the Thursday, it is more of a skills team run tactical tactical session. Um, that seems like, a, I mean, that's been, a, again, talking rule of thumb, that's generally what coaches have done over the over the time, does that does that sort of back up what we're saying, or is that does it? It's a sort of sense that it'd be better if they had the harder session on the Wednesday, if they could. Well, it, right? it depends. I mean, a, a skill session still takes physical energy, um, mm -hmm. and it does make sense that you, you know, if you want to be fully recovered, um, if what is it you want to be fully recovered for? You know, what if you're if you're a rugby player, you want to be fully recovered for the match so mm. you want to um enable um as much recovery as possible so you wouldn't want to put a hard session um you wouldn't want to give that to the players on a thursday 48 mm. hours is not really uh enough to uh fully recover in my opinion so this is where you see nutrition uh comes in because nutrition can accelerate this recovery process um so well, if we just hold, we'll hold, we'll hold on to nutrition because we're going to come to that. Uh, so let's. Uh, so we've got an idea, roughly, of maybe how to spread out the intensity of the sessions over the. Again, we, uh, all, all these things depend, but there, there is. They do need time to recover, um, and you can, as you're saying, improve that recovery time uh, and accelerate recovery by following some. Uh, some form of plan. Now, what what would be the game? That in the I'm I'm sensing you're going to tell me that as soon as the intensity intense session finishes, recovery starts. So, what what should the coach be saying to their players? Right, we've just done a hard session, or we've just finished this match. This is what we should be doing. Right. Well, the most important rule of thumb and there are numerous studies in the literature which support this is that um, obviously you know once the match is finished by definition um you know the training session physically you're, you're no longer active so the physical recovery is starting but uh, the nutrition recovery is really important and research shows that the first 30 to 90 minutes um, after the cessation of exercise is particularly important to um, to to fueling muscles to enable recovery. Recovery is faster and more complete when you start feeding the muscles pretty much straight away after exercise. Um, and in terms of what you should be feeding them, um, numerous studies again show that um, a, a, a mixture of protein and carbohydrate and the best protein being whey protein. Um, and the reason that whey protein is particularly effective is that whey protein is rich in a, a building block of protein called leucine. And we now know um, through a lot of kind of very sophisticated uh, kind of exercise biochemistry techniques, we now know that leucine stimulates um, a molecule and a signaling molecule in the body uh, which governs how uh, it stimulates muscle growth and muscle recovery. So 
Um, the first, the most important thing you can do is to feed your players uh, a mixture of protein and carbohydrates. Um, and, uh, and the easiest way to take that um, is in a protein recovery drink, which should be consumed you know, within 30 minutes of the end of a match or the end of a hard training session. And that protein drink should, the uh, protein recovery drink should contain a mixture of whey protein and a mixture of carbohydrates. Um, the amounts will vary, but most research says that in any one feeding, in other words, in any one drink, in any one kind of little mini meal, the body can only take on 20 to maybe maximum 30 grams of protein. It can only absorb and assimilate that in one go. So when you, a coach who's wanting to make sure his players are recovering uh, and, and doing the best kind of recovery nutrition, don't give them like a, a gigantic kind of protein drink, like with 50 or 60 grams of protein, because that's just, that's just the waste. It'll just make them feel sick. You're better to feed them, give them a drink containing say 25 or 30 grams of whey protein and maybe 60 grams of carbohydrates straight away after training. And then maybe after two hours, another drink repeating that amount. Of, um, so you know, as you're feeding the, the protein, you're giving it in kind of little packets, if you like, rather than trying to absorb it in one go. Um, and the reason I've talked about protein recovery drinks is that most players won't have access to a well-balanced meal containing right. protein and carbohydrates straight away after training. So, right. Well, there's a couple of things uh, that I think are important to say. Well, first of all, is that right. um, you're talking generally, uh, but the detail behind all of this is uh, I'll put links on the, the bottom uh, in the in the notes. But uh, yeah. There is a lot, and I know that because I've been on, I've been obviously working with you for a while now uh, on the peak performance website, yeah. which will give more details. So for those coaches who really want to dig down into the detail, they need to go to the peak yeah. performance site to get more detail. I can, uh, what I can do, Dan, is, yeah, what I can do, Dan, is to give your uh, listeners, uh, I can provide some direct links, which takes you straight to articles summarizing the nutritional components of recovery. It, there, there are about four or five golden rules. It's not that difficult. Um, and they, they're the kind of things that make the difference between am I going to be feeling better and fully recovered um, on the Monday after my Saturday match, or is it going to be more like the end of Tuesday? So the other thought I was having was that uh, maybe recovery is the wrong word because you are not recovering to where you were before and actually yeah. you're growing yeah. because you have done the intense exercise so perhaps uh, recovery doesn't sound as sexy or as exciting as growing and uh, maybe recovery is the wrong word our trainers using different words well recovery is uh, as you say dan is, is is maybe slightly not well, perhaps not the very best description because really what you want you want to recover take you back to where you were and then you want a little bit more on top so I think really, uh, yeah, a better phrase might be recovery plus. You want recovery. Ah, recovery plus. Yeah. I like that term. Is that your term? Um, is that someone else's term? Is there a copyright on that? Uh, no, it's, well, it's copyright just off the top of my head uh, as you as we were speaking. But you want recovery plus a bit more. Um, and in the longer term, um, all those little 
plus bit, the recovery plus a bit more. It's those little plus bits added together, which give you your long-term gains in fitness and performance. So it's going to be recover plus from now on, I think. Uh, anyway, we talked about nutrition, which is vital, and identified it as pretty much the first thing you should be doing after training. Uh, so uh, what else should you be doing to recover? And now, obviously, to recover plus. Okay, well, um, just before we leave nutrition, I mean, it goes without saying that fluid is uh, important. Um, you know, particularly if you've been training, um, you know, this time of year or, you know, if you play matches in warm conditions, um, you know, you you know you need plenty of, of fluid as well. And um, again, I'll provide links to you uh, for your readers, Dan, that uh, point to very some simple steps you can make you can use to make sure that um, you know players or athletes are hydrated properly. So nutrition and fluid go hand in hand. Um, uh, obviously, if you're performing an ultra marathon in, in a very hot conditions, um, hydration becomes your main challenge. Um, for most uh, rugby players who are playing in temperate or cool conditions, uh, nutrition isn't really a big problem with normal, uh, you know, normal dietary practices. Um, but it, but it could be when conditions are warm. Um, so, in terms of other steps, um, well. Rest is obviously important. Um, so I think I mentioned this earlier. There are some uh, ways where you can um, you can have active rest. So you, if you just sit around, um, if you train really hard or play a hard match on Saturday, and you, you literally just lie in bed the whole time until Tuesday's training session. Um, yeah, apart from being a bit bored, uh, you're not going to be. You might not be as well recovered as you could be. Um, because gentle movement uh, is uh, pushes blood and oxygen around the muscles and it, and it kind of promotes recovery. It helps carry nutrients to the muscles and waste products away. So um, if you know, I often say this to athletes, um, athletes say, oh, you know, I'm training really hard and I'm training this triathlon and oh, I don't want to do that. You know, they don't want to walk the dog. They don't want to walk to the shops. Uh, you know, they don't want to play with the kids because they're worried about performance. And I say, actually, doing some normal day-to-day -day gentle physical activity um, can actually be a good a good component of recovery. Um, the key is gentle um, because you don't want to physically tire the muscles out again. And something that's enjoyable. It, you know, it, I think some people, particularly not maybe not so much rugby players, I don't know, but certainly in uh, endurance sport. They associate exercise with always having to perform, always having to think about it in te technical terms, and they don't, they don't actually just enjoy being physically active for its own sake. So some gentle um, activities such as swimming, or if you don't cycle, maybe going out for a bike ride with the kids, that can actually help form part of an active recovery program. So that's something that's worth thinking about, and um, obviously sleep is extremely important there's a growing body of research on the importance of sleep um, and performance and it's shown that when the you know when the hammer's down when you really have to perform um, making sure that you go to the start of the the match or the race or whatever it is you're doing without a sleep deficit is really important so i would 
safe to have a coach who's keen to make sure that the players start the match in the best uh, possible uh, stage of recovery um, should also encourage the, the players, you know, may, maybe not to have three or four late night outs kind of in the run up to the match because it does make a difference. And um, it's also, we know that, for example, if you run short of sleep after a particularly hard training session, uh, the, the response from the muscles, the growth rates are, are lower than they would be if you get ample sleep. So sleep, sleep quality, having enough of it and good sleep quality is also a part of recovery. And it's a growing area of research. There's very interesting uh, research coming out in this area. And again, I can give you a link down on that. Uh, thanks for that, Andy. Now, I, I know how much sleep is important and there's probably a different conversation to be had about relaxing, relaxing your mind and preparing to go to sleep because if you train hard, and you're also playing competitive sport, you're probably reflecting on that and perhaps poor performance. And that's not a great way to get off to sleep. Uh, okay, moving on to something slightly different then. Uh, something which has been around for a very long time is the cool down, which is uh, exercise straight after the activity you've been doing. So some coaches give their players a cool down, some don't. What's yeah. the latest thinking on cool downs? Cool downs and... Um... I think that they are, um, you know, a, a good way to to basically to stop uh, if you're exercising absolutely flat out, say at the end of a match, and then you just stop dead. Um, then obviously you get pooling of blood in the muscles, and you can feel a bit uncomfortable. And you know, there is some evidence that you get higher levels of lactate, which is a, a waste product of intense exercise, kind of building up. Um, but I think for, for a rugby player, a cool down would simply be, you know, just moving around, walking around maybe for three, four, five minutes following a match. Uh, there was one piece of interesting research um, that showed that athletes who cool down for a, a short period, uh, rather than just stopping dead, tended to suffer less from um, post-exercise immune dips it's a it's a common phenomenon when people train very hard particularly in the winter uh that you get a temporary dip in immunity and that is a time when uh, athletes can be vulnerable to picking up um, upper respiratory tract infections like coughs and colds and sore throats and um, and it's not so much a problem in the summer months because those kind of viruses uh, are not circulating around because the strong sun kind of UV light destroys them. But in the winter, it's, it's a real problem. So higher levels of uh, post-exercise immunity might be helped by some kind of cool down rituals. In other words, not stopping dead, but having five minutes of gentle activity. However, a cool down is rel of relatively minor importance compared to a uh, proper warm up, but that's a another topic. Oh yes, warm-ups. I'm looking forward to talking about warm-ups um, soon, but not not this time. That's for another time. So we're now going back to Recovery Plus. I've warmed down. I've uh, cooled down, that is. I've following through the recovery yeah. protocols of the nutrition. I've mm. slept well as well. How can I tell that I'm recovering? Well, obviously, uh, the most important way you'll, you'll notice uh, is that you'll, you'll, you'll feel better in yourself. Uh, and I think athletes 
you know, and Robbie says, you should not underestimate the importance of the way you feel in yourself. And there are a number of ways of measuring recovery. I mean, I'm sure many of the listeners will be familiar with things like heart rate recovery, uh, sorry, heart rate variability, HRV, which is built into a lot of these fitness watches now. And heart rate variability, um, basically, the variability in between the gap in between your beats, the, the, the time length of each gap um, can be used as a measure of recovery. We know that when people are tired and poorly recovered, the variability in between heart rate, uh, heartbeats falls. And when people um, are very well recovered and fresh, that variability between the gaps in between the heartbeats um, increases. So that's a, that's a, a useful physiological measure. Um, and we know, for example, that when you're well recovered and you wake up in the morning and you, you take your heart rate, you've got a, a low heart rate. Whereas if you wake up in the morning and your heart rate's a bit raised, uh, you're probably either not very well recovered or you're coming down with something. You might be coming down with a virus or something. So your, your heart rate early in the morning uh, is another way. And the way you feel and the heart rate recovery and then the way you feel when you exercise um, is it can be a good uh, good handle on on things. Um, but even even with all those things, I think the way you feel in yourself, your your mind, your sparkle. Um, there's good research coming out showing that um, when you are well recovered, you'll feel good in yourself, in your body, and in your head. And um, we had a very interesting article not so long ago. Where um, the, one of our one of our regular contributors, who does a lot of uh, research on team sports, um, was talking about the importance of asking your friends and family um, to to give to basically give uh, give you feedback on how you seem because good research has shown that if you feel if you seem a bit distant and a bit grumpy, um, that correlates very very well with actually not being very well recovered. Or, or never getting properly recovered, or uh, if you never get properly recovered, you might start to build up a deficit in recovery, which is when overtraining occurs. So I think you need to look at recovery as a holistic thing. How do you feel in your head? How do you feel in your body? How is your heart rate, resting heart rate? How is your heart rate variability? Um, how is your appetite? You know, if you're well recovered, you'll have a ferocious appetite and you'll, you'll just feel you know, good or you'll enjoy your food and drink. Uh, yes, that makes sense. Um, okay, now, using you as my example, somebody, you know, turns around to you and says, Andy, you're clearly very grumpy and you're not yourself. You need to go off and recover more. Yeah. So you'll, you'll probably give, give me a grumpy reply if I said that to you. But crucially, when you do take yourself off, what is the best way to get more recovered or... What are you suggesting that players can do to recover harder? Okay. Yeah. Well, what I would say, um, Dan, is that if if you may have done the measures, you think, well, I've I've taken my time off, I've had good nutrition, you know, but I still feel tired, I'm a bit grumpy, and you know, my friends and family start noticing it. It might be that you need some deeper recovery. So up to now, we've been talking about day to day or week to week recovery or post-match recovery but sometimes you need a deeper period of recovery now obviously you know rugby players they have a season an off season 
and a match season. And that's why during the off season, you know, it is important to allow players to enjoy some deep recovery. And that's maybe might involve a month or six weeks of just very gentle training. Um, now I know more you know, kind of more amateur or recreational players probably don't have a problem with trying to train too hard in the off season. Um, in fact, it might be the opposite way. They might not be doing anything at all, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and it's the same with, yeah, it's the same with cyclists, you know, who maybe go, they, they finish the season end of October and that's it. They don't look at the bike until, you know, first of March. Um, but many higher level athletes tend to, well, you know, they want to train and keep fit and they don't lose all of their fitness base. Um, so they carry on training in the off season and they think, right, I'm going to build some strength or build some flexibility for next season. But sometimes they don't take quite the amount of deep recovery where they actually have a complete break where you might have six or eight weeks of just gentle recreational exercise just to allow the body really, really deep time to, to recover. So I think you have to separate day-to-day -day recovery and the deep kind of long-term recovery. When your friends and family notice that you're permanently grumpy, the chances are you need a longer, deeper kind of break to allow yourself some good recovery. Okay, I mean that's important, and of course the coach has an important role to play in that because of course, they are yeah. looking out for those signs as well. But also they will should be coaching the group around that player to recognise it yeah. because yeah. of course everyone is in this together, especially yeah. in a team game. Though it's probably quite difficult to tell some some that they are grumpy, while others it is much easier to tell. Yeah. I mean tying the two types of recovery together, Dan, uh, you can think of if you can make your short-term recoveries better and more efficient, so you're sleeping better, your, your post-match nutrition and fluid intake is better, and your active recovery is better, then hopefully you can avoid getting into a state where you become chronically unrecovered and you need a longer break. Okay, so that makes sense, which sort of draws me on to the next question, really. Um, inevitably, during a long yeah. season, there are going to be times when the team needs each individual, you to train, but you are feeling tired and uh, yeah. you can't really excuse yourself from training. So I sense there are some dangers here. Um, so should you ever train when you are tired? Well, it depends on the kind of tiredness and how tired. Everyone can get away with taking on some training when they're uh, when they're tired um, and one or two sessions is not going to be the end of the world um, I think a good a good measure is um, if you many people at the end of the day you've had a hard day at work you know, you know I've got to go out and train you know train with the club and you might not be in the mood as a rule of thumb if you find after 10 15 minutes you think hey you know actually I felt really tired when I started this but I'm actually feeling okay now that's a sign that you know some of that tiredness was probably probably mental and actually physically your state of recovery uh, actually wasn't too bad the warning sign would be that if you start to train and as you uh, as you as you're training and you get into it you think well god my limb oh, this is so hard my my limbs feel leaden and heavy I've got no energy in my limbs. It's a kind of leaden, heavy feeling. That is a sign 
that you actually shouldn't not be training for that session. And I think if, as a coach, if a player comes up to you and says, look, I'm, I'm, I just, I'm feeling so tired and this is really, I'm struggling today. I just feel like I've got limbs of lead. Uh, you know, your player is either overtrained and needs, or you know, inadequately recovered, or possibly overtrained, or maybe coming down with a virus or something. And though those, there is no benefit from um, forcing a player to to train when he or she you know, is feeling like that. Um, so it's trying to discern, you know, uh, is it is it just the occasional oh I'm tired and I'm not really in the mood, but actually yeah, it's okay once I've got going. Or is it something that's more physically apparent, which increases as the training session goes on? Yes, yes, that that, that makes sense. Uh, so yes, this has been fascinating for me, and inevitably we've only scratched the surface of this. So, so anyway, here's a summary of some of the things that struck me during this podcast, Andy. Uh, the first thing is that recovery is vital, and a vital part of growing and becoming stronger, fitter, and faster. So we need to concentrate more on how we recover. Then straight after training, the next point I think is how important nutrition fluids are, how key they are. Players will have different access to this nutrition and probably this could come down to what they can afford. But we can, well, we should definitely be guiding them on getting some form of protein and carbohydrate on board immediately after training or games. And I know you'll be sharing some links for that on the site afterwards then sleep that's vital uh, yes it's so obvious um, yet so often ignored now in terms of intensity of training we need to keep it spread out um, and finally I think under underpinning all of this is that we have a key role in helping the athlete understand themselves know when they are tired know that they may need to rest more and helping them to recognize when this happens and for them to know the vital signs because it may be difficult for us to tell. So uh, is there anything else I should add to that summary? No, I, I think, you know, I think you summed it up very well. Um, you know, I think uh, spreading out intense sessions, placing them well apart, obviously not having them too long um, is, is very important. Post-exercise, nutrition and fluid. Um, particularly those, those first 30 to 60 minutes, absolutely crucial. And then let, as you move away from that bout of exercise, uh, repeated intakes of good nutrition and fluid are still very important. They become less important the further away you go. Um, but yeah, certainly um, asking, you know, explaining to, to athletes that listen to their bodies, talk to coaches, and understand that sometimes less can be more better recovery you know a bit, a bit less intense exercise better recovery can actually result in higher fitness levels and better performance yeah i think that makes a lot of sense that we should take that on board that uh, yeah less is more and uh, that approach but uh, andy i've really enjoyed uh, our time together and all the insights and expertise that you've given us mm. you said you will post some links at the bottom which we i will uh, make sure that they're there but for anyone who wants to look at anything immediately and they wants to go over to the peak performance website they need to go to peakendurancesport.com that's peakendurancesport.com 
and it is absolutely packed with articles and ideas and training methods to improve the recovery of your players. So, Andy, thanks once again for your very valuable insights. That's been my pleasure, Dan. Thank you very much indeed for listening. No, it's been a it's been a pleasure, and uh, I've now got a new term to play around with: recovery plus, which I shall be uh, well, I shall be copyright on your behalf probably. Uh, so <laughs> let's let's finish off there. And if um, you enjoyed the podcast and you hear more podcasts, then go over to rugbycoachweekly.net and you can click on the podcast button and you'll find lots of other podcasts with coaches um, and more insights into rugby, rugby coaching and how to approach your coaching. So thanks again for listening and hope to speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to rugbycoachweekly.net and click on the blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.